Hello and welcome to the vacation edition of the Making Laps podcast. I am your host, Brent Gleason. With me via um, online, I guess, what, what the hell link up we got going on here is uh, my brother Jesse Gleason because I am currently out of state enjoying some time away from people on vacation, like I just said. Hey, you, got, <laughs> you made it. You, you left the state and you made it. I made it. And it's funny because oh, my... and it's to a state, by the way, that's that's not subject to quarantine restrictions when you come back. So guess what? No 14 day extra vacation for you. So go deliver the mail, slave. Yeah, I don't really care about those anyway. I probably would have gone to work regardless because make me. Um, but <laughs> I wear a mask everywhere I go. So F you, you know, yeah. uh, no, but I'm just glad the car made it because if to share a, a funny personal story. Every single freaking year that I go on vacation, and I only go on vacation like once a year, and it's only to ever visit family. I never go somewhere, like I never bring the family elsewhere other than to like visit family, it seems. But I don't care because it's quiet and it's beautiful and I love it. And like I was sitting out on the porch earlier and it's quiet. I love it. But every single year I try to go on vacation, my car breaks down or my truck or whatever I'm, you know, trying to get home from work. And it's always when I'm going home from work or something like one year, my truck didn't start and I had to push start it in the parking lot at the post office uphill in 95 degree heat. It took me an hour to get that thing running and finally get the thing home. And then one year, I think the alternator crapped out on me and I had to drive the thing home on battery, like an hour home. And then my Ford broke down on me because the alternator went and I didn't know about it because it didn't throw a battery light and the battery died. And then, uh, so that's coming home from work. And then my Subaru broke down on me at least twice where the transmission shit the bed while I was driving out here. So I had to manually paddle shift a CBT transmission and baby the thing around. And then we had the it, Something I can't even remember what the hell they're called intake swirl flaps or you know, tumble valve, tumble generator valves. I think they're called, yeah, it's like a valve runner valve, it's an intake runner valve. Yeah, we had those go bad in it. We tried to blame dealership, those guys, those guys didn't even know like what it was. They tried fixing it, they couldn't get it. I don't think they'd even really seen it before. It turns out I changed the battery in the thing at uh, port what get where we were but i went to an advanced auto parts i put a new battery in the car and that fixed it that was the dump but we didn't break down this year so good for us we made it out without any breakdowns so thank you it it took covid for me to not break down on vacation so there we go anyway my racing race car driver because your your race car driver though that thing would be running tip-top shape it's perfect but the but the road cart, eh, maybe not so much. Who knows? I mean, no. The thing yeah. usually the the problem is is not it's not that my road cars are usually fine. The problem is is they only break down when I'm going on vacation, and I oh, need my car suddenly. No warning. Yeah, no warning at all. They just break down. So it's like completely screw me, you know. Yeah. But anyway, last personal news I'll share with myself. Uh, we finally got word that I'm getting my fuel cell this week and guess what? I am not home to get it. (laughs) (laughs) So I've got Jesse picking it up for me and I'll have that to do. Uh, And of course I ran out of welding gas. So now as soon as I get home in order to build that fuel cell cage, 
I have to go get gas. <laughs> and they just closed down the air gas last year in Franklin. So now I have to go to either Putnam or Waterford. There's no in between. So <laughs> hooray for that. Which sucks uh, because the main plant is in is in Franklin. There's a big, big plant. All it is is a little satellite. Yeah, it's a giant air gas place on Stockhouse Road in Basra. Like, yeah. it's like right uh, around so the damn corner. You can't go to the main plant because they don't have retail. No, they don't do. You can't even get through the gate because you need a code. When I worked for the post office, they would just let me in. But Or when I worked for the post office down there, I should say, they used to just let me in. But yeah, so I got that going on. Um, I need to thank Jason Paquette and the guys over at Northeast Trucking Off-Road down in Gales Ferry, Connecticut on Route 12. They gave me a sponsorship to get tires for Stafford. I got a set of seven tires from my buddy Moose Doubt, and I'm, I'm mounting them up on my wheels now. So thanks to those guys. I told them I'd shout them out on the podcast. I appreciate it. That's right. And who are they again? That is Northeast Truck and Off-Road for all your truck off-road accessory needs and protective coatings. They offer bullet liners for anything that you can imagine it for. So go available see them. On, available on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, find them there, and uh, they are they are down at a new shop. They are no longer New London. Uh, they're in Gales Ferry on Route 12, so go check them out. It's a nice shop, too. It's really upgrading everything. Those guys are doing awesome. Um, so anyway, why don't we get started with this thing? Uh, first news item that I came across was at the Waterford Speed Bowl. We just keep hearing more positive news out of the place. Literally, like 10 minutes before we came on air, they showed a picture on their facebook page where they had new lettering down the backstretch wall and the backstretch wall is all freshly painted it says welcome to the new london waterford speed bowl right down the backstretch it looks awesome so they are getting the green light to go race this week starting wednesday august 5th for their wednesday shows and saturday august 8th for their main weekly saturday divisions so that's pretty exciting uh as of recording monday night uh, I forget is what's today the second, third, third. Uh, that's the record date, but uh, they don't have a set schedule posted yet for these races. But I expect it to be posted before Wednesday. Obviously, they want to get that out before people start hitting the track or playing on Facebook. Uh, and then, of course, they'll probably have both the schedules out for Wednesday and Saturday before the races take place. I'm certain of it. Uh, they also announced that the PA they got the PA system working. They're doing a lot of little things. It's just very nice being more transparent, uh, really posting a lot. I know there's still people who complain, but they're the very, very, very small majority. But it's just super to see people uh, post, giving more news about the track. It's just been a breath of fresh air. Hopefully they get some uh, good turnouts. I know they'll probably have really good turnouts with – their mini stocks and street stock divisions. Um, Keep them coming. Yeah, I've I've heard some good things about those too. Uh, I haven't heard a lot about their main divisions, the SKs and modifieds. I don't know anything about what's going on with the Legends cars. Again, I'm not... the, the late miles should because the act late miles haven't been running. So, well, that's the thing. I believe we're going to touch on it later. Seaconk is also going to be opening this Saturday. So that's kind of going to be a conflict. So they're going to be able to pick and choose on this one. So we'll see. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But it's just genuinely nice to see tracks opening up after a long date like that. And I don't know how long. When was the last race they ran at Waterford? 2018? Yeah, 2017 or 2018. I think they were closed for all of 2019. So I think they ran 2018. Yeah. Um, like, mm, yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, 
just really nice to see action coming back to the place. There's no weeds growing through the damn asphalt. They got all new grandstands. Everything is fresh and clean and new. Obviously, everything's not finished yet. They're going to be racing. And it's it. what's even better about this is that they're coming back strong enough during a time when these types of businesses are actually suffering. You know, they're not doing very well because of the restrictions that have been placed on them by and et cetera. So anyway, speaking of which, here's a downer for everybody. <laughs> All right. Let's see how the other half lives. We uh, need a reality check right now. Okay. Let's get back down to earth. Okay. And figure out, you know, okay, wait a minute. What's going on? All right. So, so, oh, man. So Thompson Speedway has canceled their events for August 5th, which I believe was an open practice, and August 19th, which was a scheduled date for the new uh, NASCAR Whalen Modified Tours Budweiser 150, citing concerns over the COVID-19. And well, maybe it's hit harder in Thompson than it has in Waterford. Was it hit the deer, the raccoon, <laughs> the raccoon? <laughs> There's nothing out there, man. <laughs> no, no, they're in the quiet. For this isn't New Haven. This is Thompson. There's nobody out there, man. No, no, but you know, there's a. I have a personal opinion about that, and it's that I don't really believe that as being the concern. Like, I really don't, I don't believe it because you see places like Stafford, they've been running for the better part of a month plus. It's been at least four or five weeks. And you've got Waterford that's reopening this week. And you got Seekonk, which is even more heavily regulated. They're going to be reopening this week. Uh huh. Why isn't Thompson running? Yeah. Exciting. COVID. And they're citing COVID. Yeah, give me a break. I mean, all these tracks that surround Thompson, you know, Hudson to the north, uh, Seekonk, Stafford, Waterford, these tracks couldn't wait and can't wait to open. So give me a break. They can open. They just don't want to for whatever reason it would be. Now, I have a theory on this. Pick a reason. Hear me out on this one. I have a theory. Um, My theory is that they've got something written into the lease for Terry Eames and his new company, econ motorsports. Uh, my theory is that the lease on the oval track has like built in requirements for maybe attendance or like a profit margin type of thing or whatever, uh-huh. you know, whatever they could possibly write into it. And for whatever reason, this cancellation because you know that they're not going to really make a hell of a lot of money if they have um, seating and attendance restrictions. You just, you kind of figure that maybe they're just kind of holding off on it because they're not going to make that money and they're not going to reach that margin and they're not, you know, and it might put the lease in some kind of like, like they, they, they lease a lot going on that I don't think we really know about and there might be some writers on that that we don't really know and that they don't want to release so again this is kind of my theory I don't know what you think maybe they're just lazy I don't know. <laughs> well, no, I don't. well here's what I mean I'm going to have to do a sound effect yeah. I have altered the deal I've altered you think they can't <laughs> alter the deal 
my boy's been watching Star Wars a lot lately. So yeah, you can't pray, alter the deal. Pray I don't alter. You can't it alter further. the lease. Just to make the make. It, there's there's so much paperwork and bullshit. Uh, you, you can't alter the deal. You can't modify the lease or anything. Again, this is contract. It, I don't know. The, questions. It's just a theory, but you know, I, I wouldn't put it past anybody to have that kind of thing going on. But again, it's just my theory. This isn't necessarily what's going on. It's not necessarily the truth. But again, that's that's my theory. Yeah. Well, this is the opinion podcast. This isn't the factual podcast. Go Guess for what? it. We could be wrong. So what? We'll eat crow or humble pie or whatever disgusting fucking food you want us to eat. I don't know. Well, you know, I don't. Shit happens. I don't want to be wrong on it. I don't know, but we're just angry because it's our track and we want it to open. Again, I'm not trying to spread rumors. I'm just trying to kind of think about it in a more open fashion. You know, I'm not saying this is the complete definite problem with what's going on. A lot of the things that I say on this show are not the definite answer or solution or problem or any reasonable excuse for what's on. I'm just kind of putting it out there today. This is what's going to be. It's just a theory. I want to know what's going on. I want to know what's going on. Okay. And when you bullshit me, I'm going to think that something stupid and underhanded or something that, that I have absolutely no business thinking, but it leads me to believe that. How am I supposed to know? Yeah, it's tough to figure out when they don't come out with it, you know. That's why I don't think that, you know, so many places hold their cards so to their chest that they just, when you leave people in the dark, they're going to have nothing but time to create their own reality or their own opinions based off of what they see. And if you're transparent in what you release to the people with it being completely down to a T and everything completely accounted for, then now you don't have these excuses. You don't have people running around rumors like I'm kind of doing. You don't have them thinking up different alternate realities for what could possibly be the truth. They don't have a less the truth jeopardy to do. So, I mean, again, it could be just an under business dealing where they can't speak the truth be snooze for the track i mean that and if you're running your business that way that's a really crappy way of doing things well you know i mean i have a wild imagination oh yeah oh my that could be it could be fucking aliens i don't give a shit (laughs) damn reptiles and aliens are behind this shit again i mean we've we've gone we've I say we, but it's mostly been me, have gone out on this show and as a goof gone to infinite lengths to conspiracy theories and other dumb shit. Just as a goof, and I think we lost like three quarters of our audience because of it. But, you know, again... Well, fuck them. They don't have imagination. (laughs) Yeah, people have imaginations. It's more of a commentary. It's a social commentary more than it is me just being a freaking nut job, you know? (laughs) But... Well, it's not all tinfoil hat. You know, half the time we do know stuff. Yeah, you know, I we mean, have, we're, you know, we have people on the inside. We got Phil; he knows everything. <laughs> yeah, well, he's going to be gone anyway. <laughs> we're going to lose yeah. a source. <laughs> yeah, but he still talks. You know, he still he'll still have his fingers there. I'm sure you know, he will. He's, he's got a lot. Once the, you know, once the alligator bites his fucking balls off, okay, he's going to be tired of Florida. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, and a snake will crawl up his leg when he's asleep or on the john or something. Yeah, you know. Fuck that place. Yeah, he's got some, <laughs> that's some weird, yeah, or his house falls into a sinkhole. Yeah, okay. probably. That's probably that's why the house happened. is, that house is brand new he's buying. So, yeah, it probably, that they probably had a sinkhole hit that area. They just paved over it and stuck a new house on it and sold the property to some sucker. <laughs> <laughs> anybody got clean fill give me some clean fill yeah we just gotta fill the sinkhole in right here throw a stick belt right up on it go ahead yeah, yeah that's what happened to his race car at uh at the world series he didn't blow up it ran to a sinkhole he just was too embarrassed yeah whoops <laughs> anyway why don't we go and move on to a track that actually is running and doing well, and that we actually care about right now. Uh, Stafford ran on hey, Friday. Hey, Stafford. What happened on Stafford? Stafford ran on Friday night. Uh, let's get into that. Late models. Adam Gray returned to victory lane. Uh, <laughs> now, I believe, isn't he related to Barry Gray up up north? Um, but no, Adam, Adam is a Who the pretty, fuck is Barry Gray? Oh, 29 super late model. Uh, I think he runs Oxford Plains Pass. Granite State. I'm not, I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, Adam won the title up at Stafford. Is he related to Bowman Gray? Doubtful. Um, Adam, no, Adam, <laughs> Adam showed up out of like Manadnock and won the title at Stafford. Like he came just like raced one or two years and then just like won a title. And then he kind of went back and did his own thing for a while. But he came back to Stafford. The lead early. And lost it near halfway. He finished fourth. Now, that's kind of surprising to me because you look at Stafford throughout the last handful of years. I don't even, I can't even quantify how many years it's been. But you go through how many, you know, times Tom Fern's been in the lead of a late model race lately. And usually it's just lights out, game over. Tom's got the lead. Well, this ain't changing the outcome. But lately, he's been up front, but he hasn't one i mean i saw him spin out of the lead once and then he lost the lead near halfway here like i think that the tide of competition just seems to be turning uh i don't think it's because tom is really falling off i just think that it's gotten to the point where he has been on top for so long that you know when you're on top for a while and you're just dominating and then suddenly you're just kind of not dominating anymore because everybody else just caught up it's not that you fell off it's that everybody else figured out how to catch up to you. And I think yeah. that's kind of the point right now that they're at. Um, I think his kids already won a race before he did this year. So, <laughs> but uh, no, but Stafford's late models, you know, they've been stubborn, stubborn with the late models. And you know what? I think it's actually starting to pay off because their numbers were really suffering a couple of years ago. And last year they started picking back up and this year they're picking up even more. 21 late models took the green on Friday. Yeah, the and that's last a real race car, a full body race car, in my opinion. They're great cars. Yeah, you know, people like you know, all the old, all the old Thompson Waterford guys are dragging their cars out of the woods and checking the wells and shit and running them again. You know? Yeah, I, I mean, I still prefer a, a stock G chassis car to a tube G chassis car because I think they're better, but, uh, you know, they'll run out of them soon enough. But. <laughs> Anyway, um, why don't we go to the other end of the spectrum, to the limited models. Uh, Gary Patnode won that race, and there you go. 11 cars took the green for that race. Now, again, I, this has been a very embattled division in my mind. 
if you combined these cars, the rules aren't that far apart, and you could have 32 of these cars taking the green. Or, actually, I think they would be running Contes and guys would be going home. You'd have a full field. Yeah, we've been over this, definitely. We've been over this. Just go look at any other episode. Again, I'm keeping track of the numbers because I just want to see if I can prove my point. I probably won't. It probably won't go anywhere. But I'm still keeping track of the numbers anyway, I, just because that's what I do. All the, all the rest of the limited late model cars that should be in the division are afraid of COVID. That's yes. the constant answer. Oh, okay. So they're fr- All right. That makes That's sense. a callback. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so SK Lights. We don't have to worry about counts in this division. Let me tell nope. you. There ain't no, no problem with the SKs at Stafford's. SK Lights or SKs. Alexander Pearl picked up the win. Yay. Go. Good job, kid. I'm a big fan of the Pearls. Uh, I will. I am not afraid of showing my bias to anybody. But I like yeah, Jeff. Fine. I like his old man Jeff. I like Jerry. They're good people. Alex they're is a good kid. Good people. Yep. Yeah, he's he's a good kid. I think you're going to see him in the uh, pro late model race that's going to be coming up there uh, pretty soon. So that'll be fun to watch him in a fender. Since he ran a mini stock at Minnedoc, I think, or I forget what they call him up there. But anyway, he ran a little four cylinder Mustang and he cut his teeth there. Um, but again, here's another division that's the complexion of it has changed over literally two years. Um, drivers, I mean, from last year have left for the SKs, new drivers keep coming in. They're basically cycling drivers in and out. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's a great stepping stone to SKs or it's a great platform for anybody who just wants to race open wheel cars because they're for an SK, they're relatively inexpensive. I mean, I wouldn't call them inexpensive or cheap, but when anyway, you wreck, they still cost the same when you wreck. That's that's going to be a point for – that's going to be my second point here, but um, I'll get into that in a second. It's the engines are – engines what save saving money on the engines. And Donnie's got a great system with Stafford. I'm talking about Rad Auto Machine. Um, yeah, he puts limited – he puts uh, limited sportsman motors from Thompson into them. I mean, only if you're <laughs> – only if you pay him enough money. <laughs> <laughs> no sorry uh, no but no they got a great program um if nobody knows about it look into it but they've got a really cool program um the, again longtime racers who used to dominate in this division who are still in it who've been in there for a while again they're not as competitive as they used to be i think that you know it's one of those things where you you've been in for a while and you just kind of get overtaken and then you got to catch back up and then maybe you'll find well, you something can't yourself stroke and... them. you can't take the the the, the sk light rules and stroke them to 383 and put them in there anymore like yeah that's true <laughs> like they used to <laughs> it's true yeah. yeah anyway um but yeah like guys have been there there's a couple guys i'm not going to name them but you know who they are but they've been in there for a long time and they used to dominate or win all the time. And now they're really struggling, you know? So, again, it's just the ebb and flow of racing. So, Well, the new I'm, guys come in with all that SK and, and tour experience, too. A lot of them have, have that. All those kids do, you know? Well, a lot all of that is not – A lot of that might not even be the guys who are driving the cars. I mean, look at Derek Debus. He does not have that much experience in one of these cars. No, he's it's running. the people putting the cars together. Yeah, he's got the, all the technical support from Todd Owen, and Todd builds excellent cars. I mean, you can't deny that. You know, I have a lot of, I have a great deal of respect. I love what he does. Builds his own race cars, sets them up himself, and drives them. And he, that's that's a rare, rare breed nowadays in those kinds of cars, especially a Division One NASCAR team. But 
again, a lot of technical knowledge is coming into the division as to what it, as opposed to what it used to be back in the day. And again, it's just, it's all in catching up. I mean, you're not finding tents in like shocks and stuff like that because they have a spring cost rule, I think. And they have a spec shock. It's a sealed shock rule. Uh, You got a sealed motor rule. Uh, so it's all in setup, but again, you can learn a lot and that's just how it is. You know, there's a lot of ebb and flow to racing. It's always something different, but, um, there was, there was a debate and I know that you touched on this earlier, but the debate has been reignited about spotters in this division because there was apparently, and I got this from Phil. So anybody who doesn't, doesn't agree with this, then send his hate mail to him. But I guess no, there was fuck you. Phil's right. No, 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 no. He said there was like a nine car pileup, and I don't, and I don't know if it was actually nine cars. That's the only thing I was. No big say. deal. If he could didn't carry the one. <laughs> Who cares? I don't. But no, he said there was. He said that a lot of race cars might have been saved if there was advanced water of where the cars were wrecking, because I think it was probably in a spot on the racetrack where it's very difficult to see, like you know, on corner entry, and. Again, or corner exit too, because or corner, yeah, or corner exit. If they're wrecking right off the turn and you're coming off at a turn you can't two see. or turn you got four, the freaking roll bar there with the roll bar padding and the wind in that, you can't see shit halfway around it. Yeah, by the time you get there, you're already in it. So, not like you could turn your head and look when you're doing 16 second laps. Again, this is I'm not going to turn this debate into something about purse. Because you're never going to make your money back on a race car. All all a purse really does is help you get to next week and not make it cost as much just to get to the track the next week at this point. But, again, this is reigniting the debate about spotters. And I know that there's a lot of people, especially in race control, who think that if you take spotters away, it's going to make the racers have to drive more conservatively. And, yes, that is very true. However, you got to realize that there's a generation of drivers who have grown up during what I call the safe period. Basically, they grew up with full containment seats. They grew up with Hans devices. They grew up knowing that they're next to invincible in their mind. If And that kind of harbors a mindset where you lose a lot of the respect that a lot of these older guys had. I mean, you don't see Joey Farino going out there and, you know, I mean, this is just, this might be a bad example. I don't know, but you don't see these older guys who raced at a time when it was actually more dangerous to race going out there and barreling off into a corner, nerfing somebody out of the way or running up over someone's front end because they made some stupid move. There's a, there's a, go ahead. Teddy did it. (laughs) That's yeah. I mean, (laughs) I mean, it's yeah. Again, that's, that's the mindset of a lot of guys and you almost, this is bad. Don't don't do that. I don't want to play psychologist, but you got to get to a point where you realize that maybe the mindset of these guys isn't the same as it used to be like Jesse, you and I both grew up racing during the non-safe period, you know, this is right. And I mean, I could have have been killed once or twice, at least maybe three or four times. Really? Um, Glenn boss was nearly killed. He was right behind me and a car came down the racetrack and hit him. And, and he got drilled in the driver's door and he got airlifted to the hospitals. 
and you know, with, with life-threatening injuries, that was a real bad one. And we were praying for that guy, you know. And uh, you know, the, some of these guys really got hurt even when we were racing, you know. Yeah. I mean, again, I I don't want to play psychologist, but I think that we've really gotten to the point with how, especially let's say the young racers have gotten to where we really kind of just have to take a step back and say, okay, look, the SKs and the SKs, if you wipe the right front off, you're talking about 1500 to two grand, whatever the hell the cost is now to fix it. If you don't wad it up too bad, you know, it's, it's, if you're running for a $1,700 purse or a $300 purse, it's still going to cost you the same amount of money to do it. And a lot of times, I know that there's a lot of officials out there that also say, oh, well, a spotter, if, a, if you got a bad spotter, they could get you into a wreck or they can control the car or they can do this and that. Well, again, spotters aren't holding the steering wheel. There's still guys who will override a spotter, but they are a lot safer because the spotter can notify guys of where the wreck is on the racetrack, not necessarily it's in turn two, but it's, oh, it's down low in turn two. You know what I mean? They can tell them where it's happening. They can inform the driver of what's going on. They can then take that information, make a decision, and possibly not wreck the car. So, again, I, well, think, I think that we really just got to say, you know, $1,000 worth of radios or however much you want to spend on radios for maybe two guys or in a driver, then maybe that would save you a clip during the season. I think that well, it's worth the cost. How about maybe uh, telling the guys where the wreck is over the radio if you're a race director, maybe direct it. Say, hey, guys, crash in turn two coming low. Crash high in turn two. Uh, yeah, but that's a lot to put on the race director's plate when he's got you know, 26, 28 cars to look over and make sure he makes the right call on whatever happens out there. If somebody gets hit, some somebody gets spun out, somebody loses their mind and tries to wreck somebody else. You know, you got to be, you got to be got no corner worker. Yeah, I, but here's the thing: it's like, will the racetrack employ somebody to be a spotter and put that work on them, or just say screw it? You guys just keep better watching your mirrors. I mean, it's again. I really just think that if you're racing this type of car, you really should just have a spotter. I mean, they're really hard to see out of you have it there you have no time to make a decision you know because they're so quick and it's like okay look we got to just do something to just it's not a matter of making it it is kind of a matter of making it safer i i you know correct that but it's it you got to kind of realize that it's not really about safety it's about cost and i think that just one small investment could save people a lot of cost so yeah unnecessarily yeah, a lot of unnecessary cost. I mean, so it, it's a matter of it, it's it's a matter of both. I'll just say it: it's a matter of cost and safety. So there. Uh, I know that uh, it also it would really give Waddell a good push. So come on, let's get some radios going. <laughs> he could fund more video, programs, right? Right. So anyway, why don't we move on to the SKs? Uh, I don't really have a lot on this race except for uh, Corey Di Matteo finally broke through for a win. Uh, he's been so close for a long time. There you go. He's been close yeah. for he's been close a lot. You know, he, he's actually he's a really pretty a good, a good driver, and he's been again just on the cusp, and he just couldn't break through. But last week he did. Finally got that SK win. Good for him. 
I know those guys uh, last pretty far. It's nice to see him get one go. Yeah. So that brings that brings us to again. I don't have much on the SK race, but I do have one thing, and that'll be coming up next. So I'll just save that for now. There's a little spoiler for you, but last on the docket Friday night, and Megan Fuller took down her first win of the year, missing her graduation. Yep. As a good driver should. Right. Because fuck that shit. It's not like it's college. <laughs> my graduation, the only my high school graduation was I sweat my ass off on an AstroTurf football field for like two hours. I didn't even take my cap and gown off. I drove home. I'm like, screw it. Yeah. Done. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah, was, it was it. hot it was like, and miserable, and I wanted to go home. That was pretty much it. Anyway, so Larry Barnett had the lead for a while. Phil's been helping him out. Um, I don't know if that's the reason why he was leading or not. I don't want to, you know, pump him up too much. But, <laughs> but uh, uh, they Fuller and Barnett had a really good battle at the end. Uh, after I think they had like two green white checkered starts or restarts, I should say. Uh, Fuller came out on top. Now the the biggest thing that happened during this race was uh, after the leaders had taken the white flag, somebody. I don't know if it was one of the, the back marker cars or something, but somebody got into the infield at a turn four and knocked a whole bunch of dirt on the racetrack. And somebody also reported that there was oil on the racetrack as well. I'm guessing that the dirt was probably because somebody dropped oil all over the racetrack. Um, but they came through for the checkered flag and Fuller got the thing bad sideways and she almost lost it, but she gathered it up quick and got it across the line. But you watch the video and basically everybody behind her crashes <laughs> almost everybody, <laughs> but like Barnett gets turned around. He gets, he pushes much pedal in, throws it in gear and gets the thing across the line in, in fifth. I think Chris Meyer squeaked through. I don't know the rest of the rundown because I was just busy watching carnage on the replay. Yeah. He got into the wall real awkward. And I don't think he really junked the car too bad. He might have. I don't know. I didn't really get the full story from those guys, but uh, he hit real awkward. And Ooh. I guess when he, I guess when he got out of the car, uh, his head was really not good, and he collapsed on the racetrack. And uh, he might have gone to the hospital after that. I guess it scrambled his brain pretty good. Uh, that was the word we got from Nicola Rose, but uh, her dad works on that car. Uh, my guess would be probably mild concussion, probably dehydration, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not a doctor, obviously, but um, all right. Um, but yeah, ugly finish. But, uh, you know, I've noticed that the last two weeks in a row, Stafford has put the street stocks last. And Stafford always has a way of putting the show last, like the, the cars that people stick around to watch. Uh-huh. And the street stocks have been no you you remember going there and the SKs are always last, right? They've always been last all the time. They keep the people in the grandstands, right? Yep. The last two weeks, street stocks have been last. Now what's that all about? Don't know. So maybe they're trying to rotate divisions, or maybe they're just too freaking popular. No, I think that they're popular. 
now. I think that taking that uh, restrictor plate off is the best thing they could possibly do because these cars are amazing to watch without that restrictor plate. I'll t- I cannot wait to get out there and beat and bang fenders. But see, they're the bell of the ball. They are now. I mean, I got the report from Phil, and he said that nobody was going home after the SK race. He said guys were sticking around. Guys were putting the SKs in the trailer and walking up to the fence to watch the street stock race. And the fans weren't leaving either. So I'm like, huh, I guess the people are loving the street stocks now. They used to be, you know, I would go there and be thoroughly disappointed with watching them when they had the 305s and the 602s with the restrictor plates. Both of them had restrictor plates. But I'd be so disappointed because I'm like, oh, come on, give these guys and girls some power, man. Let them go. But they finally did it. I mean, it's only a two-barrel. Two barrels, fine. Whatever. They're, they're putting on a damn good show. I'm very happy about it. I think Stafford's very happy about it because now instead of one de- one division that they can pump up with the SK Modifieds as being the show, now they got two. It's like if you like fenders and beating and banging and old school racing, you'll watch these guys. If you want to watch technological marvels and fast rocket ships on wheels, you'll watch our SKs. So, yeah, it's good to have two shows. It's better than one. Speaking of which... Dan Avery Racing Fleet. I don't know if anybody's noticed this or not by just casual goal. But the Dan Fleet of SK Modifieds, which includes drivers the likes of Chase Dowling, Woody Pitcat, and Glenn Reen, have not attended the past two events at Stafford. Has anybody noticed this? Well, yeah. You have you noticed? Have I no I I haven't really noticed. I, I wish I could I wish I could, you know, watch Stafford more often. I wish I could uh, afford a hundred bucks a month to watch him, but man, you it's know, that tough. would be great. But I haven't, <laughs> you know, been noticing it, you know. But yeah, apparently they have not been there for the last two weeks. Now, again, my resident uh, rumor mill, Phil, and other scuttlebutt from the pit area, claims that the trio of drivers complained about cars have, and that. Basically, I think Dan kind of acts there and he's like, all right, well, if we're going to win, we're going to have to take some weeks off so that I can afford some engines for these cars. And I don't think he just outright fired three drivers because they didn't like the car. But the last time I watched them race, I texted Phil and I said, does Woody have a plug wire off? Because he was in the top three to five and he coming off the corner could do nothing to keep up he was catching everybody in the turns and that was the only thing saving him that and basically cautions where he would restart on the bottom but basically through luck and skill of cornering ability he was able to keep up and and like be in the top five but that thing just had nothing coming off the corner i don't i'm not here to trash their engine builder but just like just cursory glance and looking at what i could see on the tv he was not up to snuff, you know? Yeah. So again, that's just an interesting thing to see. And if those boys can get some, you know, comparable, even just comparable horsepower to what the other guys have, like uh, Ronnie Williams and Keith Rocco and Todd Owen, I would love to see what they can do with those three cars because they are good cars and they are even better drivers. Yeah. They just need to handle better down the straightaway. That's all. And other than that, yeah, they're good. You know, Good through the corners, yeah. Just oh, go yeah. two steps forward and you know three steps back, or however yeah. it goes. It's 
it's six one half dozen of the other to put another euphemism out there. But anyway, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. I don't know how long they're not going to race for or, you know, whatever happens with them, but I'm keeping an eye on it. And I think everybody who hears this will as well. So, so another team that was or wasn't or isn't going to be racing, and we're actually talking about drag racing for once, which is weird because I don't think we've talked about it yet on this show yet. What is drag racing anyway? Because they're going back to thirteen twenty. No. Oh, not for not for nitro. (laughs) Oh well, then who the fuck cares? Yeah, I know. I really hate. This is a discussion for a whole other day, but John Force Racing will not be fielding cars for the 2020 NHRA season, citing financial difficulty stemming from the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, I know they said they were running the numbers and trying to figure out a way to feasibly team on a, their commitments and their sponsorships and, and et cetera. And I guess they just couldn't put together a decent package to run it. And they said, you know what, instead of losing money, why don't we just take this year off? see where next year brings us and and be a championship caliber team in their words uh next season so i said okay well you know this year's been weird i don't even know if nhr is ra- are they even racing i don't even know <laughs> i think they have been a yeah i think bit. i think they but i don't really get any word because you know advertising uh <laughs> tv doesn't help because i know these channels def we talked about it last week these channels definitely cover racing but i don't know when the racing happens they just they got to kind of tell us anyway so moving on from that here's somebody who does show up owning his own car doug kobe yay doug kobe doug kobe wins the whale and modified tour race at white mountain motorsports park I believe that's where it was on Saturday. I watched it on uh, NBC Sports Gold uh, track pass. That was cool. Uh, his first win on the Whalen Modified Tour as an owner and driver. Just, you know, we've been waiting for it to happen. We knew it was going to happen. And, you know, it's it's basically, and he said it in victory lane. It's basically the two team from the last few years that he's been just dominating races with and championships everywhere and, he said, you know, it's basically the same team as a different owner. And, again, we didn't have to wait long for him to win his first race. What are we, like, four four or five races into the modified tour season? Something like that? I think so. I think there was a few at Thompson, but they had to cancel. Right. I forgot <laughs> they were going to race there. but Oh, and so in New Hampshire, too. That was that was no fun either. Yeah, they, they definitely – I mean – they could, New Hampshire was stupid because they could have definitely had a uh, race there with the amount of capacity that they have. They, the modified tour doesn't – they don't fill the grandstands up like they used to up there, and they could get away with a 25% capacity or 50% or however many they'd allow in. They could do it. I mean, why why cancel it? it whatever. They got a cup race People in, and they won't there. run a mod That's race. I, I don't get it. Whatever. Um, so yeah, he won. There was a big crash on the front stretch involving, uh, I forget his name. Is it Tommy or Timmy Catalano? There's, there's freaking like four or five of these Catalanos running around. I don't know which one's which. I think it was Tommy Catalano, the one who actually finishes further forward. Um, but there was a crash involving him and Woody Pitcat, and I believe Craig Lutz was a little bit involved in that. And uh, they kind of, it was a weird accident. Um, Catalano got hit in the side and Woody was on his back bumper and they got kind of hooked together. 
and Lutz was hitting Woody in the back bumper. So they were kind of like a freight train stuck together. And they basically forced Catalano into the wall. It sheared his right front wheel off, despite it having dual tethers on the wheel hub and, and, and spindle and stuff like that. And I like to call that the Rich Keeter rule because of Craig Lutz's incident at Waterford where the car had a single tether and the wheel came flying off and uh, almost killed Rich. <laughs> he had to duck for his life. But, um, yeah, that was a that was scary. And I know they went to double tethers after that, but I don't know what else you could do just, just to keep those wheels on. It might be a discussion for somebody else. Maybe a dual tether is fine. It was just a weird incident. Anyway, so moving on from that, I'm actually going to do another – form of motorsport i haven't talked about yet all year i'm gonna talk about formula one and if anybody watched the british grand prix on sunday morning which i love waking up sunday mornings because it's my first it's technically my saturday so i wake up before the family and go throw espn on and i watch with uh, a nice cup of tea and uh i know that's not i'm not trying to make a british joke there i don't drink coffee so uh but anyway the british grand prix man that <laughs> It was just a good race. I mean, did you I, record that on, on YouTube TV? I did. So if you do want to watch it, go pick it out. Okay, cool. But nobody else gets the name and password. So screw you, listeners. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, so spoiler alert. Lewis Hamilton picked up the win at uh, the British Grand Prix of Silverstone. I believe it was his seventh win there. I think he tied the, for most wins there. He's like really close to the all-time win leader, uh, which is Michael Schumacher. And I think he's like four races or something like that. I don't, I don't have the exact number, but he's really close to being the all-time uh, winner in Formula One. But the, the biggest thing was like the first third of the race – there was a couple tire failures which and a couple incidents that resulted in wrecks. Like, at least two cars got wrecked. One got wrecked pretty hard. Um, but that was, like, in the first third of the race or so. And, again, it turned into a regular Formula One race where, you know, you got a kind of a dead zone in the middle where it's all just guys running around and it's strategy. But as soon as it got to, like, three laps to go, both the Mercedes, Botas and Lewis Hamilton, had cording showing on their left front tire. Or not cording, it was blistering all the way around the inside lip of the tire. And I'm like, oh boy, this could get bad. Too soft, lots of camber. It was actually the hard tire they were on. They were on the white, the white sidewall. Uh, but, they were, but they were on them for quite a while. They were on for over 35 laps, probably. Then they've been soaking them. No, it's it's the it, these are the only two cars that had this issue, and they were the Mercedes with that new steering system that changes the toe. It's really interesting. Like you can pull the steering wheel back and forth and change the toe. It's freaking amazing. They banned it for next year already, but they allowed them to run it this year because they got it by them already. Um, but those two were the only ones who had it. Botas blows his left front with like three laps to go, and that gives second place over to Max Verstappen. Now Verstappen in his Red Bull does not have cording or, or blisters on his tires at all. He has no blisters. So mm -hmm. he's like 13 seconds back. There's no way he'll catch Hamilton if Hamilton has no problem. And I'm like, I'm like, don't pit. Don't pit. Because I know they're going to try to pit to put the soft tires on and they're going to try to get the fastest lap to pick up that extra point because they're 23 seconds up in third place now, who I forget who it was, who overtook Botas. But he took that and they pit and I'm like, 
you just pit and this guy you look at lewis hamilton's car he's got the same amount of blistering around his tire there's like two laps to go this track is huge he could have a problem you're only 13 seconds back you could catch him so they pit they gave up 20 seconds because it's on average about 20 seconds to pit he comes out still second last lap hamilton blows that left front tire and he's still like a third, two thirds of the way around the racetrack. So he's still got to make it back to the flag. He gave up, I think it was 26 seconds to Max Verstappen trying to limp that car around to the flag on three tires. And he managed to do it and he won. And I'm like, you idiots. <laughs> Come on. I'm sitting there screaming, don't pit, don't pit, don't pit. You know, winning the race is more important. And the law of averages says that you're going to win that race if you stay out. Nope. <laughs> so that was my that was my rant that I went through for that race. Anyway. Finally, an exciting Formula One race. No, they've been great lately. I'll be honest. They've been, I've been watching every one of them. I love them. They've been really good. Um, yeah, I mean, I know people are really, they have no attention span and they want action, action, action. But I like the strategy. You know, I really do. I enjoy the strategy and I enjoy watching racing and I don't care. So whatever. If you're into action, then you'd be really into the the uh, NASCAR Cup Series event that just ran this Sunday at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Now, this was the first time at New Hampshire, which is a one mile tr- one. What's what's that? Was no. it exciting? It was. I liked it. It was really good. Um, they had the fir- it was the first time there, like I said, with the new short track package for these cars, meaning like the two and three quarter inch spoiler and the quarter or eighth inch like splitter lip and, you know, big horsepower and stuff. Um, They put the traction compound on the first and third lane, but they missed the one in the middle. So it was kind of weird, but actually competitive lanes. It turned out to be usually that, that traction compound garbage doesn't work, but luckily at Loudon, the inside lane is kind of flat. The outside lane is a little further around, but it's got a little more banking to it. And by putting the traction compound on both, it actually kind of evened it out. It was really good. Um, it, it surprised me because usually I'm a real downer on that crap. But it, it afforded a lot of opportunity for passing. There was two solid grooves of racing. Dirty air, which I know you love that, wasn't a factor. Uh, but we did see a lot of tire failures. Like we had Kyle Busch who hit, the wall, who hit the wall early, junked his shit. Um, John Hunter Nemechek went in real hard. I think Matt Kenseth had a couple tire failures. He just was not having a day. Same thing with Christopher Bell. He had some. Several. He had a couple at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I give a lot of credit to JTG Doherty. They really needed a good race, and they got it. Uh, Ryan Priest was up around, I believe he was 13th on the last lap. They had a little bit of bad luck. He ran out of gas. But he still managed to bring the thing home in 16th. Um, just barely missed that top 15. I believe Ricky Stenhouse finished inside the top 15. And he did really well. Brad Keselowski ended up winning the race. It was his third win of the season. He was strong all day long. And he won his, that was, I believe, his third win of the year. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan Priest came across the finish line on the starter. He was just pedaling <laughs> gear, and he just held the starter button until you know he crashed the line. You know, you don't give up. You know, any way you can, never give up. 
You know, I've thought about I thought about doing that one race, and I'm like, nah, this starter's not going to do it. It's not it's not going to get me around because I had a coil burnout on the last <laughs> lap, and I had to pit. But anyway, um, so I know that earlier this year we were talking rumors and stuff that we were hearing from industry and just insiders that were saying, hey, Brad Keselowski might be in the front runner for the 48 car next year. Well, that that kind of hi boy, hi boy. That Quiet kind of, boy. <laughs> that you know, in the last few weeks, I'll be honest, those rumors kind of tempered off, and it's been towards the rumors now that Hendrick might be, you know, shutting the forty-eight down or the eighty-eight down, whichever car down after this season, and moving a driver over to a different car or something. But Brad K re-signed with Penske uh, today after his win. Um, good for him. Good team. He won't, you know if you keep a team together, you have more chance of success. And Penske knows that I believe there's no real exact length on this contract. <clears throat> Excuse me. But it's initially for, I believe it's for one year for now. And I, it, there's probably options based on performance, like extensions based on wins or playoff, you know, contention or stuff like that. So he's locked in for another year. So anyway, That'll recap our racing for this week. We're almost at an hour. We're a little, we're a little an hour after the edit. Uh, any last thoughts? Uh, Kyle Larson didn't win last night, which is shocking. <laughs> what? He didn't win? Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, no, he didn't win. He was, he he was at. Uh, they were running uh, the All Stars, the Ollie's All Stars at uh, Houston Speedway. He won like seven races in a row. It was uh, Husset Speedway. Uh, uh, yeah, actually, I was watching that last night. I fell asleep because it was a little bit late, and I was like, you "Yeah, know they're what? out. By, they're out very west coast, like North Dakota or whatever." Um, <laughs> yeah, I fell asleep with it on my TV in my bedroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was wheeling it like he usually does in the in the uh, in the dash for the cash, whatever. He, he done jumped the cushion and hit the wall, flipped the shit. Hey, you know it's gonna yeah. happen sometimes. Houston's is a cool little track. It's the um, first race at Houston, Houston in three years. The first race in general, or the first Ollie's All Star race. Night. The first night. Oh, the place the was race. the place was packed too. I'm really glad for that. You know that. Yeah, they had supporting divisions there and everything, and their their track opened up after three years of being dormant. And you and know that, what? Yeah, they wanted to go racing. Yeah, and you know what? Pandemic this, my ass. Oh, it was great. I loved it. So yeah, Kyle Larson didn't win. He flipped his shit. He, he, you know, he was he was trying to be a hero as he usually does and always gets away with it. If you're if you haven't jumped the cushion in a sprint car and hit the wall and flipped that shit over, well, he ain't driving hard enough. And that son of a bitch drives hard. I don't think and he hurt it too bad anyway. Looking at it, it didn't even hurt the wing struts. So he probably yeah. just have to put a bolt, a couple bolt-ons in the axle area yeah, and he, a wing on it, and it'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, more often than not, he gets away with hell. But more often than not, he bounces off the wall, goes faster. You know, yeah. and uh, yeah, he ended up. Yeah, you know, he didn't win a race that night. It was it was crazy. I yeah, Corey Eliason won twenty thousand dollars. Hey, that's a good payday right there. Twenty thousand dollars, you know. And hey, you know, uh, yeah, I guess some some purses do pay in racing. I guess. Yeah, right. Some places mm. still pay. Still play a purse, isn't that weird? Imagine that, yeah. Short track racing, dying, yeah. Nope, sorry, just not on just, dirt. Just, <laughs> just that Thompson. Yep. Anyway, okay. So, um, goddamn them. 
yeah upcoming events i want to let people know that there are racing there are racing events being held in this area or in the connecticut area i should say uh this week okay so we got wednesday the speed bowl opener for their wild and wacky wednesday shows i still hate that name but it hey whatever works for those guys wild and wacky waving flailing flailing two man racing racing so yeah (laughs) they're having their opener on wednesday night friday friday night we got a few things going on and depends where you are friday we got stafford doing the open modified 100 limited late models are going to be out there for 20 laps as well as the street stocks for 20 laps uh friday night also we have seekonk fast friday doing their show i think they have uh Pure stocks are they called and sport four and probably all their bandoleros and mini cup cars and uh legends cars. How about spectator drags? That will be coming on Saturday. Oh, oh okay. So I want to Sat- try the Lincoln out for that. Why really? not? You couldn't hurt that, that, that car. Would, <laughs> I would destroy them. You'd get, I think you'd get kicked out for wrecking it. cars. <laughs> I will send it, make them break. That shit ain't worth five bucks. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's worth a lot more in aluminum. That engine's made out of aluminum. Scrap the whole it. Car made is made out of aluminum. Yeah, right. You get a... anyway. Saturday, the water opener for their weekly Saturday night divisions. So that's probably going to be mini stock, late model, SK, uh, street stock, sportsman, whatever you want to call them. I don't know about legend cars, guys. Don't ask me. Ask the track. Uh, but you know. Anyway, Brian's points for those guys. They love it. Uh, so Saturday, Stafford will be racing again. They have the Stafford 5, SK 5K. SK 100 lap race, $5,000 plus bonuses to the winner. Uh, late models are going to be there for 30 laps. SK lights are going to be there also for 20. Also on Saturday, we have the Seekonk Saturday night opener. The sad thing is, is the projects aren't going to be there because they want to be able to pay them the purse that they deserve. We talked about that on another episode. They're not going to pay the, the um, pro stocks less money to bring their cars. They don't want to disrespect them like that. They care too much. Um, I hope everybody's listening to that. Uh, but they are, go- right. they are going to have the late models. They're going to have their sportsman division, their sport truck division, spectator drags, and the sport fours are going to come over from Friday night, and they're going to run the event. Saturday. So there's your racing outlook for this week. Any final, final, final thoughts? Uh, your wife asked me to bring the flowers in. I have to go get the flowers in off your porch. For what? It's not going to be below freezing. No, the, the wind and the, and the big hurricane that's going to come. Knocking They're over. dead anyway. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. She texted me a few minutes ago. I'm sorry, dear. Well, um, anyway, anyway. Oh, what day is your package coming in? Tomorrow. I got, you know, it should be, should be coming in tomorrow. Okay. Well, so I'll go hopefully. Forward. The storm's going to hit later, so I'll go after work. Anyway, I hope everybody has a good week. I'm certainly going to have one enjoying it in the northeastern Pennsylvania countryside and wilderness. Hopefully I don't get eaten by a bear. Thank you all for listening. Keep the dirty side down and stay out of the fence.